following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters, with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now, here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. Sit down, grab a blanket, and snuggle up with your furry family because it's time for Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care where Dr. Michael Takiwa will discuss everything you need to know to keep your fuzzy friends happy, healthy, and safe. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's ProgressiveVeterinaryCare.com. Here he is now, only on 107.7 The Bronx. Good morning and welcome to Your Pet Matters. I'm your host, Michael Dr. T. Tequila. And on today's show, we're going to have a mishmash of different things. But I think something that's very relevant that happened this week, Mr. Ethan Lindenberger. He's my hero. Um, He's the teen. You may have heard of him. He's the teen who reached out to Reddit late last year and asked how he could get vaccinated, never having been vaccinated in his life. What I respect about Mr. Lindenberger is that he did the research. He found the truth. He looked at the hard science and realized that the pros of vaccination far outweigh the minimal risks. And something that he said when he appeared before Congress was that his mother got much misinformation from social media, specifically Facebook. Um, And I think that that is the dreaded problem with some social medias where you can get wonderful information, you can get a lot of misinformation. Another thing that happened that solidifies that was another publication of an article indicating that the vaccines do not cause autism in humans. Something that the scientific community has been strongly for and indicating that there is no evidence that shows it and this paper actually solidifies that so along those lines additionally i saw a posting on a social media post about how the incidence of autism in pets increases with the number of vaccines and i'll talk about the fallacy of that as well in addition we'll talk about my trip to vegas i made a little recording about conferences And we'll talk a little bit about the dreaded second opinion when a client goes for a second opinion. I have a different take on that. I've got a few minutes this morning. It's really early. I'm just trying to prep for a meeting I'm going to have today. But it got got me thinking about conferences and and, uh, just in general, what sort of pointers that I could give you based on my experience at conferences. And and I I think it all depends on uh, several factors. I think that what, what we should really talk about today are what stage of your career you're at, um, what sort of goals do you want to set for yourself. I, I always um, am now thinking about the concept of pick your battles, um, pick your battles with respect to conferences themselves. And something that I don't do that I advise everyone to do is, is plan ahead, plan way ahead. So why don't we start with the last one. I am a spontaneous type of person. I like doing things on the fly, um, especially any of you who've been on my radio show, done videos with me, we just do it spontaneous. I think it's more real. I think what comes out as valid points are way more, how do I put it, way more honest, open, 
and I think that creates a great value and educational value for the watching and listening audience. So I think doing things like that is really spontaneous. But when it comes to conferences, and this is what I've experienced here, is that I'm, I simply came to this conference to actually attend a, a board meeting. Uh, one of the, I'm a member of one of the boards uh, for VetSoap, which we should do a whole segment on that as well. But um, that's why I'm here. Um, but in addition, you might as well get some of the conference in. So for timing-wise, et cetera, I, I've, I've registered myself for a partial stay at the conference. And, and during that process, by not planning ahead, when I kind of put the post out that I'm going to be there, um, a lot of classmates reached out to me. And it's like, oh, geez, I wish I would have done this earlier so I could try to schedule time. So the way I have to leave it with them is, hey, just ping me. We'll try to schedule some time. Um, additionally, some of my heroes are here, and I would love to schedule time with them, but they're moving their schedule. They're doing things I'm not doing. They're, they're much more scheduled. And as a result, I don't know if we're going to actually connect um, that way. So, so definitely plan ahead in that respect. Um, planning ahead also in the respect of, what do you want to learn? What areas do you want to do? Do you want to get a lot of that classroom theory in? Do you want to do some of the wet labs, um, et cetera? So by planning ahead early, it really will help you solidify your schedule. And I think that planning ahead from the staying standpoint would be great for your hotel stay registration. Everyone knows that the, the fee of registration does this as time gets closer. So definitely it's really smart, I think, to plan ahead on that. Even just get the thought processes going in your mind. What 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 conferences do I want to go to this year? What sort of emphasis do I want to put on the conferences? Um, and what do I want to get out of them? Because they are, we're excited and we get really tired because we're learning a lot. We're going to all these great, wonderful after-party events. We're gathering all this information. We're getting information overload. And then we kind of, we got to just crash at the end. So um, it, it's, it's, it's like everything I talk about. Veterinary medicine is a sine wave. We got this great, wonderful new protocols, new theories, new drugs, new whatever it is, and we want to implement it. And then we crash because we're tired and we get back, and it all just leads to a conundrum of, of events, et cetera. So I think definitely planning ahead, figuring out, okay, so here's my goal. So, so my goal this conference, well, my goal in my career is actually networking at this point, getting the education in. I'm always scanning through the education things, seeing what's new, but networking. Um, Etc. And the other goal I have is, <clears throat> I'm definitely thinking of going cloud-based software, and so I definitely want to talk to um, some of the some of the people involved in that to get great idea about what's going on there. We'll do a little segment on that as well. But so by planning ahead, you you get the idea of what you want to learn, what you want to get out of it. You can connect with all your peers, you can network, and get the best deals. So definitely plan ahead. So I talked about stage of my career. That's the second point. Is depends on what stage your career in. If you're young, my best advice is absolutely to network and get the education. There's a lot of things that, you know, vet school didn't teach us. And um, we learn a lot in the real world. And nothing's better than getting real world hands-on. I think those wet labs, I think the, the lectures are phenomenal. And literally, take the combination. Go to those lectures, go to the wet lab, but connect with that individual who's teaching. The people who are teaching are great people and they're also elevated people they're the great people in our industry um many are the top people in our industry so there's nothing better than networking with them as well as getting that education because you never know you may have a specific case a specific really bizarre difficult case and you can go out there and actually 
talk to them. And VIN is great. I love the Vet Information Network, but I think there's a lot to be said about actually reaching out personally and talking to these people. And the other thing about these people is they're phenomenal. I've never met someone in our profession who will not take the time to sit and talk to you. And I think that's great, especially the, the big names. And to me, just kudos, respect for that. So definitely pick what you're doing in your, in your career. So right now in my career stage, networking is huge for me. Um, I think learning something, I always want to keep my medical skills up. So learning the latest protocols is obviously always there. But networking to me is um, important. And as a business owner, I'm looking at the elements of my business that I want to um, elevate. Um, hence the cloud-based software, um, looking at other protocols, wellness is huge in the practice, all those different things that can just make a better practice, practice management, etc. And the third thing I, I want to talk about is, I, I brushed on it a little bit, is conferences are phenomenal, but they're overwhelming. Um, our hours are, set. I'm in a different time zone than what I'm used to sleeping. So I've been up two hours earlier than normal. Um, it's great for me because I get more work done, but it's also detrimental to my, my well-being and my health and, and it will affect me when I go back. So I'm going to lose those two hours. So it's definitely something that you have to keep in mind is pace yourself. And when I say pick your battles, that means pace yourself. So there's five clinical lectures I want to go to, and they're all in the same two time segments. So pick your battles. This conference, I'm going to do these two. Next conference, I'll do the other two, or I'll follow up. Um, I just downloaded the WVC app. Um, it's phenomenal. You can actually download the slides, <clears throat> excuse me, and you can actually mark on them. This is phenomenal. So I think there's lots of opportunity that the digital age allows us to gather the information we can't gather hands-on. Um, so pace yourself, don't get overwhelmed, have a great time, connect with your peers. Um, last conference I was at, I connected with some peers I haven't seen in over a decade, and it's phenomenal. And uh, a few of them are here. There's one I wanna look for. Ragamon, if you're even listening to this, man, I wanna connect with you again. Um, so definitely connect with your peers, network, get your education, pace yourself, plan ahead and have a heck of a great time. There are some wonderful new companies. Um, shout out to Whisker Cloud. Um, they do my website now. Phenomenal company, and I think they're having a big bash tonight. I can't wait, excited about that. Um, shout out to Hills. I know Hills is, as you're going through a little rough spot at this point in time, but shout out to Hills because uh, um, I hope to meet one of my heroes there um, Monday night. I think it's Monday night I'm gonna try to meet one of my heroes there, um, but, but enjoy those. Um, outside aspects. And if you have a family and you can time a vacation with them, do it. I actually brought my, my family with me. So they're, they're going to the Grand Canyon today while I do my meeting. And tomorrow we're gonna spend some family time together um, in Vegas. Um, so we walk around someplace and someplace I have to do this to my, my kid. Now that when you see those cards, I go, I go like this. Or those poster vans, I go like this to him. He's at the age where he's curious. So it's, it's very funny. So just keep that in mind for the Western Vet Conference. Other conferences, we're, we're good. But Western Vet Conference is that because it's Vegas, baby. It's Vegas. So I hope this helped some of you decide about conferences and, and what you get out of them and, and how to plan them. I think for you youngsters, um, do things that are you know viable to your lifestyle, your location, your educational scheme. And I've been to small conferences. I've been to huge conferences. You always get something out of any conference. Um, the bigger conferences is where if you're if you're out to network with the big names, they'll be there. Um, but 
you get a lot you can get the local big names at your local conferences and i think there's there's lots to be gained no matter where you go so i hope this helps i hope you enjoy the conferences you go to 2019 is looking like a booming year for veterinary medicine and i'm excited about it and so um i gotta head out it is time to call a lift ride so i can get to the hotel and do whatever i have to do I remember when I first started relief work prior to owning a practice and I was up at a fairly affluent practice in northern New Jersey and I, I loved working there um, and I remember I was only there for a day and then it was like a one day thing I had to be there for one event and so I was there and I saw a vomiting pet and I remember just treating symptomatically um, I honestly can't remember if that was the owner's wishes or not it was one of those scenarios where it wasn't really the owner in there. It was uh, a au pair, a, um, the housekeeper, whatever, and there was a language barrier and stuff. So we just did um, some, uh, symptomatic care. And then the next day I called to see how the pet was doing and was informed by the team there that the pet was at another hospital and that there was a foreign obstruction um, and that the pet, underwent, pet did fine when underwent surgery. And I was kicking myself. I was devastated. Um, I really didn't know what to do. It was one of those situations where it's like, I was worried about, you know, not only the quality of my medical skills at the time, questioning those things, questioning the impact that that had on the practice I was reliefing at, etc. So it's just a, a ballooning of events. Um, so I called up the vet and I didn't know this vet. Um, he has passed since and he was a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, had a great conversation with him. Uh, I had known his name, uh, reputation had that he was a solid vet. Um, I loved it because when I did see records, he was still, he was not computerized at the time, but man, this guy had the most meticulously legible, detailed handwritten records I have ever seen. Um, heck of a nice guy. And he, um, his practice is now owned by a friend of mine, but, um, he called me and he said, listen, man, he said, uh, don't worry about it, um, that this has happened to me in my life five times. He said, no big deal. Um, everything is good um, and no worries. And I cannot tell you the impact that has had on my, on my life. Going to have to take a short break of messages, but we'll come back talking about some more interesting things. So stay tuned right here on Your Pet Matters, 1077. 1077thebronc.com. The following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now, here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077 The Bronx. saw a post today in uh, social media that basically stated that as the number of vaccines increases in pets, the incidence of autism in dogs and cats is on the rise. Blown away. Blown away. Um, right now, everyone in this entire household, myself, my wife, my son, are completely vaccinated. Why? <laughs> because vaccines save lives. 
it's one of those scenarios where you have to look at the science, at the truth, at the data, at the reality. In the same sense, vaccines for your pets prevent disease processes and thus save lives. I think what gets a little confused is right now there is no way to or even a way of determining if a pet has autism. Um, it's ironic in a exam setting the other day I, I had a pet parent who was a little worried about their pet and we started talking about things and I started talking about the traits that I know that I see exhibited in, in my family members and, and um, that are on the spectrum and I I talked to her and I said, maybe your dog has autism. Um, it was interesting. Um, it was lack of being around. So a lot of a lot of the cues in the human world are lack of being around social interaction areas, uh, especially with uh, peers or massive social settings. And and she was describing that her dog didn't like being in those social scenarios. So it was it was interesting because I said, maybe your dog has autism. But there's really there's really no way to determine if a pet has autism. And right now, there's no evidence that exists that shows that vaccines cause autism in pets. We've already gone down that road in the human world where, um, see what happens when someone does something that isn't right? <laughs> it leads to a lot of issues. And the problem with social media is that you, you've got these, these papers coming out or these people saying things that are just, just it's very, it's very, very distracting. It's very, very um, detrimental to truth. So if you're reading this article, just you can't, the beauty about these articles is, is, they, is they show themselves. They show their true face value where there's not a lot of good hard data. The, um, the references they use refer back to um, other sources that are incredibly questionable about what they, what they do. Um, so just be careful about social media. I mean, we all use it. I'm on it all the time. Um, but I'm hoping that my peers and I who are using social media, we're doing it for educational purposes, to enlighten, to inform, and to have fun. And so that's what social media is, not to cause fear-mongering based on invalid facts. Um, you know, and there, there was a TV article, why, why can't people do something a bit more harmless, like believe in the Flat Earth Society, <laughs> stuff like that, if you want to go to social media, do things like that. Um, the other thing that kind of disturbed me from a medical standpoint was there was a social media posting about, here was my dog prior to getting on my joint supplement, and they showed a dog walking around. I'm looking at that dog, and I, I'm thinking, that dog has a cruciate ligament rupture of their, I think it was the hind left leg. And afterwards, they show the dog running around after taking the supplements. Well, A, um, supplements can definitely help, but a cruciate ligament rupture is something that you really should get looked at and treated most likely with um, some non-steroidal anti-inflammatory aspirin, um, consulting with a surgeon to possibly do a surgical repair. Um, but what drove me nuts about this was that you know, it, supplements are supplements are supplements. And, um, you know, we as veterinarians, we're trying to introduce supplements that have value that the constituents of these supplements have been shown, are well documented, are properly labeled, and shown to have beneficial effects. You know, um, 
I'm always fearful of situations it's like me I'm a Dr. T's supplement that'll cure all anything it turns out to be like sugar water I think it's 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 very very dangerous um, I, I think it's it's important to make sure that you have the data I think when I always say talk to your veterinarian I, one thing that we are trained as veterinarians is to be a little cynical be a little critical question the data that comes out even from our representatives from the companies that are selling us product we're always looking at the data always making sure everything is is there and right and there there's a subset of veterinarians that jump onto the first thing which could have beneficial effects or could have some detrimental effects then there's a subset of veterinarians that wait wait till they see that something's going to work right and then get there but either way your veterinarian is always is a critical thinker and they're always looking out well, what's best. So definitely just be aware of these, these social media posts on vaccines, on supplements, on anything. You have to be very careful. And as always, you know, your great aunt, your uncle, whatever, Dr. Google, you have to be incredibly careful. I think that everything you find, it, it, you know, as a veterinarian, I'm more than happy to discuss what you find on the web. And if it's something I've never noted before, I will do research on it. Um, and there's lots of avenues that we can go. Um, and it's interesting because when something new comes out, it does become a discussion in the vet boards. It does become a discussion among colleagues. Um, and, and we look at the data and we look at how things, things benefit. But that's, that's my little soapbox talk about things. I can't even talk because it's so late. But it's something I just wanted to, to discuss with you. Stay tuned. After these messages, we'll have more interesting things coming up on Your Pet Matters right here on 107.7, 1077thebronc.com. Every weekend, you'll find a project to get involved with. And sometimes, it'll include your scaly or furry partner in crime. From Your Pet Matters with Dr. T, it's time for Producer's Pet Project. Your go-to for pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and overall helpful tips and tricks to keep your best friend happy and healthy. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Hello, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Your Pet Matters. I'm your producer, Wade Buchanan, and today I want to talk about how some dogs have incredible abilities that some might not even realize. Since most dogs are pets who spend more time begging for treats, fetching sticks at the park, and sleeping in super weird positions on the couch, they don't always get as much of a chance to show off their innate, secret superpowers. So I'm here to set the record straight and tell you about seven special breeds of dogs who have unique abilities hidden behind those puppy dog eyes. The first one is the Catahoula Leopard Dog, and their superpower is climbing trees. It is thought that this unusual ability evolved not through breeding, but through necessity. Back when dogs were less cared for than they are now, they were often left to their own devices and had to fend for themselves when it came to hunting for food. Because of this, the Catahoula developed a triple threat of traits to make them super versatile at catching their prey. High intelligence, webbed feet to aid in the water, and the ability to run, or climb, up the side of a tree. Once people caught on, these dogs were bred strictly to keep their bloodlines and talons pure and intact. They can also hunt well in packs, which have traditionally made them a very popular hunting dog. The next one I would want to talk about is the Basset Hound, and their superpower is the giant ears that can catch scents. While it is true that the Basset Hound's sense of smell is a bit of a superpower all on its own, the way in which its ears contribute to its ability to smell things is pretty unique. 
Basset hounds hold the record for the world's longest dog ear, and this helps them smell things better. How? Their super long floppy ears, combined with their short legs, actually catch the scent of whatever they're tracking by brushing against the ground, and then wafting the smell up to their noses via the flapping motion they make when they run. The next dog I want to talk about is the Husky, when their superpower is strength and stamina. Huskies are the supermans of the dog world. They were bred to pull dog legs for extended periods of time and long distances. This means that they are one of the strongest dogs around, and their stamina is unparalleled. They are a tough working dog, and their demanding job requires them to be strong enough to pull their sled and its cargo over incredible distances and under extreme weather conditions. The next dog I want to talk about is the Pitbull, which superpowers incredible strength. Pitbulls are one of the most misunderstood dogs. They are naturally very gentle and full of love for their owners, and sadly, the ones that are vicious are only that way because the owners have trained them to be that way. But despite this, they are one of the easiest dogs to reform or retrain back into being loving pets. They were sadly bred for fighting, and thus are agile, densely packed with muscle, and one of the strongest breeds out there. They are so strong, in fact, that many are trained to participate in weight pulling competitions. The record for the most weight was a pit bull who pulled the weight of a small sedan for over 12 feet. Another one that I would like to talk about is the lockjaw that pit bulls contain. They have the ability to latch onto something and lock their jaw into place, which means you're not pulling off the pit bull anytime soon, which makes it great for home defense, for fending off any burglars trying to get into the home, and it overall makes it a much more protective dog than people think. The next dog I would want to talk about is the Dashing, which superpower is hunting badgers. These little wieners may look harmless and adorable, but it's even in their name. Dash in German translates to badger, so they are quite literally badger hounds. They were specifically bred to be short, small, and long so that they could fit more easily underground and maneuver better in small burrows. Their broader chest also helps them breathe underground. Their large, paddle-like paws help them dig and fit into the holes, and their long, pointy, sensitive noses are great for tracking. Badgers are one of the toughest animals around, and the Dachshund was bred specifically to vanquish them. The next dog I want to talk about are the Dalmatians, which superpowers include being unafraid of fire and the ability to calm down horses. There's a reason that Dalmatians are stereotypically a fireman's dog. Back when firemen used wooden stagecoaches and horses, the dogs were trained to keep pace with the horses, defending them from any other animals who may spook them and clearing the way for the stagecoach, along with comforting and distracting the horses when they got near the fire. Horses do spook easily and tend to be afraid of fire, but the Dalmatians, however, are more fearless when it comes to a blaze, so their calm presence next to the horses would also calm them down. The final dog that I want to talk about is the Sharpei, and their superpower is giving the boars the wild slip while hunting. Sharpays may look like adorably ridiculous piles of furry skin, but did you know that they were bred this way on purpose? These dogs originate from China and were originally bred to have prickly hair and loose skin to defend themselves from the wild boar they were trained to hunt. Wild boar are vicious, have very tough skin, and are incredibly large. However, if a boar ever bit and held on to a Sharpei, its incredible amount of loose skin actually enables the dog to rotate its body within its skin and around towards its attacker to fight back and bite back. The wrinkles also protect the dog's internal organs from any predators, 
If the dog is ever bitten, the attacker gets a mouthful of bristly hair and skin instead of a puncturing and important lump. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Producer's Pet Project. I'm your producer, Wade Buchanan, and join me next week where I talk about certain facts and stories to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Till then, back to Dr. T and your pet matters. Have a good day, everyone. Stay safe, and I will see you later. That was today's segment of Producer's Pet Project. Your one stop for all things pet news, recall alerts, adoption services, and more. Be sure to tune in next time. And for a more in-depth conversation, listen to Your Pet Matters with Dr. T every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Producer's Pet Project is underwritten in part by Progressive Veterinary Care. Only on 1077 The Bronx. The following is an encore presentation of Your Pet Matters with many new shows to come. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Your Pet Matters to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Now, here's a replay of Your Pet Matters with Dr. Michael Takiwa. We're back with Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care, discussing everything you need to know to keep your furry friends happy, healthy, and safe. Only on 1077 The Bronx. I want to talk about the relationship between referral centers and your primary care veterinarian. Um, let me start off by a story. So I saw a pet who was recently um, put to sleep that presented to me, had not been to a veterinarian for nine years. Um, and Sparky walked in, um, owner described Sparky as being lethargic, not really wanting to eat, um, apparently he was a real, real pistol in his youth and would be very difficult to go to the vet. There's aggression there, etc. But what I saw was a pretty lethargic dog. Um, well, I shouldn't say lethargic. He was actually very bright for a dog who was incredibly anemic, who had a swollen belly, a fluid-filled belly. Um, I was able to run the ultrasound probe on his belly and see a lot of free fluid in there, which based on his clinical signs and his blood work, I indicated was blood. Um, I was really concerned for him. I was really concerned that he was bleeding. Um, and the owners elected not to do much. Um, they just wanted to go home and monitor him. Um, so unfortunately, because of the decision not to do much, um, he didn't do very well. Um, and he was taken to an emergency center early in the morning and then, uh, put to sleep so it's one of those things I don't want to get on the tangent get off on the tangent about what the owner chose to do with his pet but during the discussion mister was blown away when I talked about going to referral when I talked about internal medicine consult emergency critical care um, and the various diagnostic tools that were used. And he asked questions about MRI and CT scan. Blown away that these places actually existed. 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago when I started practicing, absolutely, I think that, that the discussion about referral would be there. But it blows my mind that even today, there are many pet parents out there who just don't understand the, the concept of referral centers or know that they exist so 
I'm going to get on a soapbox yet again. Um, I'm very proud. I'm a, I'm a member of, at this point in time, it's called Vet Soap, um, where the primary goal stems from a belief and an understanding that there is a symbiotic relationship in people like me, which is a primary care veterinarian, and many of my friends out there, which are specialty veterinarians, veterinary specialists who go above and beyond just a regular doctor of veterinary medicine or VMD degree um, and go on to specialize in various fields, whether it be oncology, ophthalmology, critical care, um, surgery, on, you know, you name it. Um, there's, a, there's a specialty out there, behavior, dermatology. Um, there's tons of specialists out there. So one board member wrote a paper recently that, that demonstrated the longevity and beneficial effect of having a pet that had cardiac disease would live longer and a healthier life under the care of both a primary care clinician and a cardiologist. And so that really stemmed. I mean, all of us on the board were very passionate. We believe that there is a symbiotic relationship. I'm incredibly fortunate that around me, I have several referral centers that I've made incredible, um, great contacts, um, budding friendships that really help my clientele and the patients that they love actually have incredible care. Um, nothing's better than getting on the phone and actually talking to someone you know, whether it's about a case that you want to refer, whether it's a question about a case or actually an update on a case. And there's that sharing of information, there's that sharing of knowledge and that camaraderie that really leads, I think, to a better customer service experience and clearly to a better patient care experience. So I think it's a beautiful synergistic relationship. Um, and I, I think it's important. So for those of you who don't understand that you have a primary care clinician who can do mostly anything, um, there are specialties um, and a lot of the new grads aren't doing a lot of the orthopedics and so forth, but there's a lot of uh, specialties out there. But most of your care, consider me a primary care veterinarian equivalent to your general practitioner, your GP, your family doctor. We're your other family doctor though, but consider us those, those means. And then if there's a case, um, I think the best is cancer. If we have a cancer diagnosis, that use, diagnosis usually takes place at your general practitioner, your, um, your primary care physician, whatever you want to name them. Um, I like primary care veterinarian. Um, we can diagnose the cancer, um, but immediately our recommendations are to actually talk to one of our oncology friends at a specialty center to give you the, the best description I give clients is I say, listen, they are the expert in cancer. They do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They know the latest protocol and they can sit down and give you the best answers of what sort of prognosis you have and give you the options of what you choose to do. Um, ranging from a benign approach to a more aggressive approach and, and they're best equipped to do that. So that is a great example of the symbiotic relationship. And what happens is then that patient is treated as an oncology patient and the follow-up care, a lot of the follow-up care and monitoring comes back to the primary care clinician. Um, so I think it's very important to, to do that. Um, but it's, it's great. I think it's a great relationship. Um, a lot of times I'm referring internal medicine consults. So um, 
you have a case where I have a case ongoing right now where um, there's a dog that's suffering from IMTP, which is immune-mediated thrombocytopenia. In other words, Penny's platelets, those um, cells that are involved in helping clot blood, are lower than normal. Therefore, the blood will not clot. Therefore, you will start to have bruising and potential bleeding. Um, so, a lot of times, uh, steroids are used to manage this, and a lot of times the cases get, get pretty severe. So, um, this case is currently being monitored by my friend, who's been on the show several times, Dr. Peter Chapman, um, who's an internal medicine specialist, and myself, and, and I've been running things by him. Um, all in coordination with Penny's parents to make sure that they can be comfortable with the approach. I think there's no better way to manage cases than that. Um, other examples, I have a boarded cardiologist, Dr. Ryan Keegan comes on board and he does a lot of my cardiology consults. Um, when you're looking at the heart, you want someone who specializes in the heart to look at the heart. And believe you me, there's things that he can see that you're people like me cannot. Um, he's also got specialized ultrasound equipment to look at uh, the heart, look at the valves, look at the thickness of the, of the actual chambers, look at how the blood flows through colored Doppler. And at the same time, he's doing electrocardiograms and we've taken the x-rays, we've done the blood pressure, and he's doing the rest and, and working together to get, to get there. Um, and another great example is I have a board surgery, uh, certified surgeon that comes by. So um, a lot of times we are diagnosing cruciate ligament rupture in the knees of dogs and many a time they need surgical repair so a lot of veterinarians utilize Dr. Ting he comes in and he's qualified and best set to actually do that surgery and he performs that surgery right in their clinics in my clinic as well um, but there's no one else who could do that there's unless you're a board certified surgeon there's no one no way to get that surgery done it's done right it's done properly he's a phenomenal surgeon and everything goes well. So that's your relationship that, that I see happening. It's gonna be happening a lot more, a lot, lot more um, in the future. So it's important. It's important for you as the pet parent to understand that those services exist um, and that it's important for general clinicians, primary care veterinarians such as myself to utilize that relationship and embrace it because it can only lead to bigger and better things. Um, so that's my soapbox talks on the relationship, the symbiotic relationship between veterinary referral centers and your primary care veterinarian. That was Your Pet Matters with Dr. T of Progressive Veterinary Care. You can tune in right here every Saturday at 10 a.m. Or to hear more right now, you can go to 1077thebronc.com slash yourpetmatters, where you can download past episodes as podcasts on your favorite platform like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Your Pet Matters is underwritten by Progressive Veterinary Care, 390 County Road, Route 518, Skillman. For more information online, it's progressiveveterinarycare.com. We'll see you next time, only on 1077 The Bronx.